What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Jason Murray. My dudes, listen to this man's wisdom. A father to six, a grandfather to 11, and married 29 years. We cover so much, from being mentally tough to creating self-esteem in your children and to create momentum in your life and how to have high impact. What stuck out the most is doing the hard work to build a life many only hope for. Enjoy meeting my friend, Jason. All right, Jason, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. Really looking forward to talking fatherhood with you today. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Ned. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to a good conversation. And uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, here we go. Well, first question. So I had Rod on my podcast a few months back. And when asked, hey, do you know any other great dads that I should have on my show? He said, my friend, Jason. So, you know, one of the greatest compliments right there. So why do you think that he said that uh, you and I should talk fatherhood? So I um I met Rod um, through social media and I let him know that I had been in the same industry as him. But not only were we in the same industry, but I was a two-time author. Mm. And my first book that I wrote, Faith Plus Purpose Equal Legacy, was focus on encouraging our children how to become entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And then if parents, specifically fathers, can do it and show by example what an entrepreneur can do and and what that represents, it's going to help build that self-esteem with the children, Mm -hmm. building skills. And more importantly, if the father can develop multiple streams of income and keep more fathers in the household, Mm-hmm. So that's my book premise. And through entrepreneurship education, we can keep more fathers in our household and thus strengthen our communities through entrepreneurship education. That is where Rod felt you need to meet Ned. Yeah, yeah. He is a guy who really focuses on fathers and what fathers can represent here in our country. Yeah, man, I love that. I love that approach, you know, because we glorify entrepreneurship. We really talk about it, the freedom and being able to, you know, create create money, create jobs, have freedom for your own life, but to keep fathers in the home. I really love that that anchor for the purpose, the why behind it. So I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah, what a great honor for uh Rod to to say, "Hey, there here's a great dad who's who's has impact in the community." Um, couple questions for you just right out the gate to help people know who I'm talking to. So where do you live right now with your family? I'm in Teaneck, New Jersey, in Bergen County in Northern New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, how many years you've been married? 28 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And how many kiddos do you have? So combined, my wife and I, we raised six children. Wow. We have six Beautiful. Kids, six adult kids. 
uh, four sons and two daughters. And any grandkids yet? Yes, yes. We, we're blessed to have 11, 11, eight, eight granddaughters wow. and three grandsons collectively. 11 grandkids. And do you think there'll be more? Well, our youngest daughter uh, is not married and hasn't had children yet. So she would be the one, as it stands now, who, yeah, yeah. who would uh, have more on the way. So, wow, you know, love it. They may have it in store. Though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, how old do you find yourself today? How old do I find myself today? Yeah. Well, age, age is a number. I, I guess it's just evolving, but about. If you want to know my exact age, it's, uh, it's 60, 61, soon to be, no, 60, soon to be 61 next week. Yeah, I got a birthday coming up. Man, you look young. You look full of life, vibrant. What's your secret to um, to just have an energy to show up every day? That's a great question, Ned, because i tell you this. Um, I was always athletic growing up, mm-hmm. and I always kind of maintained a you know, athletic uh, lifestyle, you know, I've played sports and currently I work out, uh, I look to watch what I eat. Mm-hmm. And being an entrepreneur, I have to keep my energy level up if I'm going to uh, continue to be effective in what it is that I do. So I would say definitely just doing the right things by eating right, working out, uh, my grandchildren, my kids, my family, they, they give me a reason to continue living and continue uh, being the person that I need to be to have an existence so they can enjoy me, I can enjoy them. It's a combination. Yeah, love that. Now, was there a certain point? So I'm 39 right now and, and I've had this goal. So I'll be 40 in July. So I want to be in the best shape of my life um, when I turn 40. And I had a guy on my podcast who was 50 years old and he had done something similar that his last year of being in his 30s, he got in shape. But then it created this habit that every year and now he was at 50 and he just like top, you know, top shape. And there's a balance, right? I mean, I could be in the gym for five hours a day if I wanted, you know, so there's a kind of a balance. Have you found, you know, because you're you, you, the benefit of us men talking, especially at different ages, is we're able to peel wisdom away. And so when I think about, man, I want to be 60 years old full of life, ready to go, charging after life. Um, is there anything that you found that was really helpful in your routine? Like, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Is anything that you found helpful in your routine the last 20 years that has helped keep you uh, in, the, in the shape that you are, the, the energy that you are? I know you said work out and eat, but anything specific? Well, if I get something specific, most, most recently, a um, couple of months ago, about two, three months ago, I actually participated in a 75-day hard challenge. Oh, yeah, baby. Okay. Okay. I completed the 75-day hard challenge, and that was a a real disciplined Mm -hmm. approach to saying, I want to take a real good look at my health. I want to take a good look at my stamina. But more importantly, I want to take a good look at my personal development to say that life is important to me, and I can be mentally tough with a physical regiment as well as a mental regiment. So that was just very recently. But through the years, I would say that, again, always maintain an athletic lifestyle, played sports. You know, I can get down and and do 100 push-ups right now. Yeah. I can do that. 
Um, I play tennis, a little bit of golf. I, I used to play basketball a lot more often, but you know, I, I, I see people who <laughs> haven't played in a while and they go out and play and then and that torn ACL happens. So I said, I can enjoy looking at people playing basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a fan opposed to going out and continuing to do it myself. So I kind of put the basketball regimen away. I may shoot a few free throws here and there, but it's more tennis, just more athletic uh, working out that I do to maintain. Incredible. So something I want to share with you, I created a fatherhood journal. And one of the exercises inside the journal that's been helpful for me is to um, write out a timeline. So if I did it today, okay, I'm 39 today, and I'm going to die at 101 years old, right? That's like a goal, make it to 101. And then in that is put, okay, some some milestones. When will my kids get married? When will I have great grandkids? So the whole premise of it is, is like, when will I have the most impact? And so I look at you right now, this moment of your life, because sometimes let me back up to say like my sick, my oldest is 16 and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to move out soon. And I'm sad. But then I look at what you're sharing with me right now, 60 years old, just did the, you know, the 75 hard challenge. You've got six grown kids. You've got 11 grandkids, the impact just, just doing that. I mean, and maybe you, you may not see like the exact impact of that, but to be able for them to look at their dad, look at their grandfather 60, and he's not just sitting on the couch doing nothing. He's freaking attacking life with vibrance. Um, I just think how incredible the impact you have and how important it is for me and, and the dude that's 20 and 30 listening to this to look at the longevity of their life and the impact they're going to have at all these different stages. So dude, I just love, I love your approach. Like 75 hard's no joke. That's, that's intense. It's very intense. <laughs> no, so good. Okay. So you kind of mentioned that you and Rod, same industry. What is it that you, you're an entrepreneur, but what, what have you found yourself doing the last 20, 30 years? That has been the thing that's fed your family. Where have you kind of landed in the entrepreneurial world? So I, I was in corporate America for about three decades and I transitioned okay. into financial services in 2006. So going back to 2006, I was recruited to, to Merrill Lynch, one of the major wirehouses in the world. And that was short-lived, meaning that in 2008, as we know what happened, the global yeah. financial crisis took place. So I was out of a job along with millions of other people. So I wasn't alone. What I had to do was then pivot. And I pivoted to a point where I said, what can I do to leverage my existing skills? So I started a health and wellness business. That didn't work out as much, didn't make enough money doing that. And then I moved into the Medicare space. and that wasn't my major passion, but it was a means to an end. So I eventually returned back to my financial service practice. And I've had my financial service practice for 10 plus years with the Transamerica Financial Advisors. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. my bread and butter is helping people manage their money, helping people protect their assets, grow their assets, and give themselves the ability to really make sound financial decisions. And then my ancillary business... I'm a two-time author, and I'm also a sales and marketing consultant. So I wear three hats. Mm -hmm. That gives me multiple streams of income and the ability to also um, speak as we're talking now in this podcast. You know, there's different opportunities I have to share my story or share um, some insights through workshops or uh, public speaking or paid speaking events. So I'm a public speaker as well. 
Love it. Now, I love this question you asked yourself. I think a lot of men could pause and ask. And that was, you know, what can I do to leverage my knowledge and skills? And I think how powerful to pause as a man and go like, what, do, what have I gained so far? And where could I go put this to use in, in, in maybe a way that's going to give me a little bit more freedom with my family and or finances for my family um, versus, versus if, if right now you're listening and you feel stuck, maybe you feel stuck in some something. Um, so how do you leverage those or even in your own job? You know, we have, we live in a world now where you can leverage your skills to work four days a week or work uh, from home some or different things. There's, there's lots of options these days, but to pause and look at yourself with value, I think is important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible that you have the mindset that you're able to do that. And not everyone has that mindset to do that. Um, but it's introspection. And one of the areas that I focus on heavenly is how can I introspect, take a good look internally before just acting externally? How do you, yeah, what is your habit? What, what's a habit you have of doing that? Is it something you do weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually? Is it just when you feel like it or is it is it built into your life? I do a lot of meditation. Um, I do just understanding my goals, reading my goals daily. So what does that look like practically? So you say I do meditation, I read my goals daily. So is it built into like a morning routine, a morning ritual? Morning, what? morning routine. Okay. Daily routine and gives me the ability to, to refocus if I'm not on track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if my goals are X, Y, and Z for the month and I'm only at X, then I know I have to ramp it up a bit. Yeah. If I've made a good way through, then I look to see, well, well, how did I achieve what I achieved so far? And let's build upon that. But if I'm lacking in areas, then I have to reevaluate what can I do differently? What can I do better to make myself more efficient for the month? Yeah. If I do that, it builds momentum to the following month. And I find that when I'm on my best is when I'm focused and I have a clear vision what I'm looking to accomplish. Therefore, I know if I'm moving in the right direction or do I need to course correct and change my activities or reach out for help. You know, reaching Mm. out for help is something that sometimes we tend not to do, be it pride or just be it whatever. But reaching out for help is all right. It's okay if necessary. Men, I hope you're listening to this. Okay. One, refocus if you're not on track. Start to gain momentum. I think a lot of dudes are like, I just don't even know what the vision for my life is. And I think sometimes because of Instagram and whatever, we're like, oh, well, it, it should be surfing or golf or rock climbing or what? I, I don't know, like throw out the thing or business. And so we feel stuck. But what if you just started with my health, my fitness, my marriage, my kids, like those four things right there are going to give you so much fulfillment. It's almost not going to matter what you do at your job. You're going to be so fulfilled. But I would guess that through focusing on on that, creating momentum in those areas, you're going to find that in your job, you're going to have the desire to create some momentum there. Um, and something else you said uh, was when I'm at my best. And what's so funny, okay, I'm going to share. So last night, my wife and I went on a date night. We haven't had a date in a while. So I was like, oh, I got to do something cool. So we actually 
took my camper van office and we went to the beach and we slept at the beach last night and um, the kids stayed home and uh, we were on the beach and I asked her this question, what version of Ned do you like the best? So I was getting some insight from her because I've been doing a lot of self-reflection and being aware about stuff, but it was really interesting to like not be in, you know, the heat of the moment and be able to ask this question. Hey, when do you like me at my best? And her answers were, dude, like I I put some notes down. I got to go meditate on these things that she said to me now because I'm getting hurt. Cause I've been asking myself, like, when do I like myself the best? Um, And so dudes, you know, as you hear Jason talking about this and me bringing this up, it's like, think about when you like yourself at your best and maybe ask your kids that maybe ask your spouse that but be ready for what they say. Right. And then what are you going to do with what they say? I think that's, that's a big question. All right. Let's keep, let's keep cruising here. Okay. You have two stages. So I'm going to ask you this in two ways. At what point did you embrace fatherhood? Right. So, so you got six grown kids, but thinking back to when they were little, was there kind of a season where you're like, ah, I'm really embracing it. Fatherhood matters a lot. And then the second piece of that question is same for being a grandfather. I think sometimes we we underrate the opportunity that men have as grandfathers to be impactful. Um, so two two part question. You can take it any which way you like. So I, I would say definitely. I I mean I embraced fatherhood right from the very beginning mm-hmm. because I became a dad um, at an early age. Um, when I uh, was in college, I um, became a dad. And I was a junior in college, got married early, um, had my first son in my junior year, had to go to work simultaneously and finish school, had my second son my senior year. So growing up for me happened very quickly and simultaneously had to balance that, but not Mm. only balance being a father, but also shortly thereafter, my first wife who eventually passed away. Mm. I had to be a caregiver, a father, wow. and a provider. Wow. At the age of, you know, from my 20s, early 20s to when I became a widower at 26. So, wow. From that wow. Standpoint, my life early on in the young adult life, it wasn't just always, all right. You start a family, you have everything going in the right direction, and then, you know, you, you can enjoy yourself, go on trips, start raising a family. I had to make sacrifices. So being a father early on, making sacrifices as well as balancing mm-hmm. all those three roles, it it matured me. And it gave I me a, a sense of identifying, you know, my my role, my responsibility, but yet how so many people were dependent on me to be the person that I needed to be based on everything that was going on in my lifestyle. So, man, here's that. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead, please. And I was going to say, and then from the standpoint of becoming a grandfather, having the ability to then see my, my children now become parents and then still be young enough to enjoy them, be in the point where, from a, I guess, professional standpoint, I was still, you know, guiding them and being an example of 
you know, what's an entrepreneur or being an example, you know, what it means to excel in a corporate life or what does it mean to excel in a nonprofit world by giving back to your community. So it all had its relevance and the cycles were giving at a point, I believe, that it gave me the ability to have significance in my own life with my wife, my own life with my, my children, and then, then when my grandchildren became on the surface, being able to enjoy them. And, and then, like you said earlier, to see that they have a, a vibrant grandfather, not someone who is near retirement, let's say, or someone who is not um, active in the community or not actively able to, you know, just function in, in different aspects in life. Yeah. So with that, with that, I, I want to dig in just and ask, was there any pers- perspective changes for you, right? So you go through this, you know, sounds like, you know, pretty intense early 20s, grow up fast, essentially. So any perspective you took from that as far as the, your, your view of life, right? So, so I think sometimes we just take life a little light um, about, hey, everything's, it's always going to be the way that it is right now. So I just wonder if there's any insight perspective-wise that you have from, from that heavy story of your 20s that, that you would impart any wisdom to any of the listeners. Well, I would say this, you have to, you have to treasure the moment. You have to treasure the ability to to be who you can be, but who you're destined to be, and make the best of your life while you have the opportunity to. And when you have the ability to, you know, develop relationships with your children, develop relationships with other family members, you know, really don't take it for granted. You know what? What I didn't share with you earlier is. I, I wasn't raised by my dad. Mm. So my, my parents separated early on in life. So as a result of that, when I became a father, I didn't have all of the tools necessary to know just what to do. Yeah. My grandfather, I guess, was my best role model mm. as a father, but he had already raised his children. He wasn't raising kids anymore. Yeah, yeah. He he's out of the game. Yeah, he was a <laughs> grandfather. So... I saw him as being someone who kept like the entire family together from a standpoint of just being supportive for a lot of people, but and seeing or not seeing a role of what it meant to just be a husband, being a father, and then relating to different people in your 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 family makeup, I had to figure it out. So by figuring it out through trial and error. I said, well, I, I want to be the best father that I can be. And that also led me to write the first book that I wrote. That was mm. the Because you're on this discovery process. Exactly. So, so there's some yep. All right. So I got this question I've never asked, but it's something that I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I would say it's my approach to fatherhood and, and the whole rebel and create premise. So, so here's the question to you. You didn't come into fatherhood with, with the skills. Okay. You pursue, that's kind of the wording we're using. You didn't have a father that, uh, you didn't have a father that showed you the skills. My question is, 
How much do you think, if we were to give percentage wise or however you want to answer it, how much do you think it's more about you knowing who you are, your identity versus having parenting skills? Like I know, like, be, so the word good dad, okay, to be a good dad, is that more me knowing who I am as a father or is it me knowing skills how to be a good dad? It's a very interesting question. Let me give some thought to that because I don't want to answer it just uh, haphazardly. Um, Ned, I, I would say that your experiences that you see hmm. as you're being raised will help to nurture what you do in a particular role. Yep. So if you don't have that role model to let's say replicate, or if you're yep. just seeing what's going on on TV. Yeah. Yeah. That good point. That doesn't directly apply to you and mm-hmm. your family. That just is what is shown through the media. Yeah. So therefore you could sometime have, I think innate skills and characteristics that may be, you know, you could be a supportive person or being a yep. nurturing person or being someone who's compassionate. Right. That may just be within you and your makeup. But to be a dad or be a father, I believe that you got to watch someone else do it mm-hmm. to get good at it. Or you have to do trial and error, maybe fail at certain things, make certain mistakes, but learn from those mistakes and then come back and make course corrections mm-hmm. and prove in that role of responsibility. I think that that is where I would say from, and it's, it's reality. It's how I became the dad that I I became, I believe through trial and error, because I had to figure it out. And not only did I have to raise my own children who I brought into the world, but when I got remarried and my wife had children as well, I had to then raise children who were from a previous marriage. Yeah. Yeah. There was other dynamics involved with that. I'm sure. (laughs) So was there a point where you look in the mirror and you go, you, you got this, you're a good man. You're a good father. You, You know what I'm saying? Like there's, it, was there this moment where, and I'm not saying like, like a prideful way, but a confident, like I'm, I'm a good dad. Was there a point in your life where you felt like you could affirm that about yourself? Well, absolutely. And I would say this, that as I and my wife got together and we began to raise our collective children, and then we had a daughter collectively, um, our youngest daughter is 29, we developed a nucleus. Mm. So, you know, she had a situation, I had a situation, we brought that same situation together two single parents raising children we brought that all together yeah and me being the husband her being the wife me being the father her being the mom we figured it out and we figured it out together and based on the foundation that was established you know we've been married now 28 years and all our children are now taking care of themselves and taking care of their respective families so we we figured it out yeah. from the standpoint of if we didn't know how to do it, <laughs> we figured out how to do it, and we didn't give up 
when times may have been difficult. Because a lot of times people will allow problems or allow strife or allow um, resistance, rebellion. You know, raising children, you're going to get rebellion no, no matter who they are. <laughs> They're going to rebel, teenagers, what have you. But we were able to uh, foster um, means of uh, getting through that, and we did it collectively. Now, is there any wisdom you'd give to a, you know, you've been married almost 30 years now. And, and like you said, you know, I, I love how you're saying we figured it out. We figured it out because I think sometimes we think that we got to have this master plan for life. Like I can have a master plan for life, but it's not totally how life works. I mean, part of the beauty of life is you don't know what's going to happen in six months. You don't know what's going to happen in 12 months. It doesn't mean you don't have a plan. You have a plan, but then you, you hold it loosely um, in the sense of, you know, depending on what you believe, where God might direct you or whatever. So my question to you is when things got hard, how did you and your wife dig in and go, we're doing this together? Mm -hmm. So there were certain times when we had to reach out for help, you know, mm. pastor, you know, counseling from time to time. That was a, um, it was an attempt, you know, our children weren't always receptive to that. Mm. So I, I can't say that we spent a whole lot of time in, in counseling, but we did certainly reach out to our pastor and we just made, you know, the commitment to ourselves that we weren't going to give up. And when you have a relationship and then you, you're eventually able to get better at conflict resolution, that, in my opinion, creates more of a foundation because I could say that, you know, working with conflict wasn't always easy. So you, you can make mistakes or you can give up or you can kind of see what works and then keep going on that path. Yeah. And then if certain resistance comes about again, you, you can still course correct or you can give up. So we didn't give up. We just continue to say, well, if this is not working, well, maybe something else will work. And if we can continue just communicating, we can then have a foundation that can be long standing. You know, they just it's trial, it's trial and error, you know, like yeah. that's the best way I can say it, man. Yeah. Trial and error. It's no, it's no right or wrong. You know, you, you make mistakes, but you have to continue sticking with the plan of longevity, sticking with the plan of the commitment that you, you put in place. It's just like you go to work for someone and when it gets hard and you get, may have goals that you have to achieve. If you want to still get, keep getting that check, you still go back to work and you change your actions to keep getting that check. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just like in your family, if, things are not working, you, you got to stick with it to make it work. And and sometimes it's not, certain things are not going to work. But as long as the pluses <laughs> outweigh the minuses, yeah. you're ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. This word resistance, I just finished reading the book, uh, The War of Art, and this word resistance has been coming up. And I think in our world, even myself, like I avoid resistance, like I mm -hmm. seek comfort, 
And so you kind of brought up resistance is coming, right? You can have 30 years of marriage, six kids, 11 grandkids, just expect resistance is coming. And I think sometimes we're like surprised that resistance shows up on our doorstep because we think life is supposed to be without resistance. But the the solution I heard from you is just keeping communication open. Um, and I think that's, you know, communication, obviously you're talking about with your spouse, but also with yourself, like checking in with yourself. I mean, I got to ask myself regularly, am I just being a selfish D bag or am I, you know, am I justified in, in my approach at the moment? So I think keeping that communication open with yourself, with your spouse, even with your kids um, is super important. And as the father, I really feel like when resistance shows up, that's if I'm a warrior and I, I was created to be a warrior, that's when I should be showing up, you know? And, and like you kind of said before, as far as our media is concerned, our media is showing that dads are fat, lazy, sit on the couch, drink a beer, watch sports, which cool, do those things. Don't be fat and lazy, do those other things. But, um, they're showing that you don't get involved when there's resistance. Just the mom does that. As far as like what I feel like I see in the media, um, we should be showing up when there's resistance. Like it's game time. How do I die to myself for this family? That's right. That's right. And that's where I believe the purpose and fulfillment that most men are looking for is going to be found is in that, is in that sacrifice. And so jumping back to be open and honest with you, one of the things I asked when I asked my wife last night of, um, Hey, what version of Ned do you like the best? And, and sometimes this fatherhood stuff I'm on puts me into like intentional dad mode all the time. So my family gets a little sick of it, but she said, when you bring me coffee in the morning and there's not like a, you're just doing it to do it. And you, there's a joy I see in you when you do it. Cause I'm not there. It's not like, I'm, I'm not trying to, there's no motivation behind it. Mm-hmm. Other than I just want to serve her. Cause I know it's going to make her morning better. Uh, anyways, anyways. Okay. Sorry, man. I'm going to get jumping. I got way more questions I want to ask you and then I want to <laughs> run out of time. All right. So here's a question for you. What would you, if you could go back to your 40 year old self, what would you tell him? What's something you'd tell him at that stage that he's in, you know, think about how old your kids were. Think about the work you're doing. Think about your life. What would you tell that guy? I, I would definitely tell myself to, um, work on becoming an entrepreneur a lot quicker. Mm. Uh, when I was in my 40s, I was definitely you know, working for other people. And certainly I developed skills. Mm-hmm, and if I certainly can look back, I would definitely have said, work on becoming an entrepreneur a lot quicker to give myself more of an opportunity to amass more wealth and to work for myself, to work on building my legacy. And that, you know, I was at a, in a, a college alumni event and I was asked that question by some current students at my uh, college that I graduated mm-hmm. from. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. They said, well, what would you have done differently in your career? And that's what came to my mind. I said I would have worked on becoming an entrepreneur a lot quicker because I worked in corporations for 30 years. Yeah. So if I worked in corporations for 30, right, I made millions of dollars 
for the corporations. And don't, don't get me wrong, having the ability to, to, you know, have a job and develop skills and that's good. It certainly is good. At the same time, if I were to spend, let's say, 20 additional years or 10 additional years, because I've been an entrepreneur for 10. Yeah. Right? So if I spent 10 additional years being an entrepreneur versus working for someone else, I'd be further along in my legacy creation. So now, second piece of that question, imagine 15 years from now, you're turning 75. What do you think that that man would tell you today? That man would tell me today that even at age 60, my whole life is still ahead of me from a Mm -hmm. mindset standpoint of view. Mm -hmm. That I still had so much more living to do and so much more of an impact to create through Mm -hmm. my God-given talent. Because I, I feel like my goals that I have for myself for continuing to grow and continuing to impact, I'm just getting started. And I'm at a point where my branding is now really at a space where my personal branding is increasing tremendously, but it hasn't met a climax. So at age 60, you know, you think of the example of, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders. When did he become a millionaire? After age 60, right? So I I see that as my part of my life story. My best is yet to come. Um, Man, this is so rich and really important because I think our culture is telling us, go in, put in work until you're 65, and then we don't need you anymore. When you are probably at your point of having most impact, Right. And we're stealing that wisdom and we're having this generation dis- disconnection. And I had this guy, you'd really like him, Warren Rustand, who's, I believe he's between 75 and 80 now. He's around 80 now. Um, he's very involved in entrepreneur organization. Um, anyways, I had him on the podcast. And, and again, he's like between 75 and 80. And he lives by this Chinese, uh, Chinese, I don't know, story or whatever, but that your life in looked at a, at a hundred is when you're zero to 25, you're born. Okay. You just kind of come into this world from 25 to 50. You're learning. That's where you're learning. Then 50 to 75 is your greatest impact on this. And you're like, you, you've gained skills, you've gained knowledge, you know, things that's your greatest impact. And then 75 to hundred is how do I give back? I'm just going to give back, give back, give back. And I just thought, wow, if we were preaching to our you know, young people, one, it'd probably take more pressure off them now, but that 50 to 75, it takes pressure off me. I'm like, I'm 39. My 40s are going to be amazing. And then I, I've got all these years to have impact on fathers. This isn't like just right now. So hearing that come from you, that wisdom of like, I'm in my prime right now, the next 15 years, I'm going to crush just high impact. I mean, it's so inspiring because I'm like, okay, it's okay that I feel like a baby goldfish in this world, <laughs> right? I'm still learning. I'm still in this stage yeah. of learning. It's all good. Absolutely. Ah, that's so good. That's really good insight. 
Um, all right. This podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes. You've been doing it, opening up your life's field notes, sharing it with us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea here is as men, as, as warriors, what is something that you're rebelling against? But not for the sake of just being destructive. But I'm going to tear some some constructs down so that there's room to create X, Y, or Z. Now that could be I'm rebelling against working on Sundays so that I can have you know all my grandkids over Sunday night and be totally engaged. To I'm rebelling against you know what the world says a man should look like so I can create X, Y, or Z. So when you hear these words rebel and create, what's something that you, Jason, are rebelling against right now in this stage of your life, and what do you hope to create out of that? That's a, a very intriguing question. And from the standpoint of re- rebelling, I know that in this society, right, and as a black man in this society also, it's the perception is like you 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 can't be strong, you can't be outspoken, you mm-hmm. can't be who you want to be as a king in this society. Because you're considered a threat when you mm. have that strength and exerting that strength. It's a threat in the society to a certain yeah. degree. So I'm not one that feels like I have to be the king and I got to be so strong, but I have to be assertive. So I would say if anything I'm rebelling against is not being to the point where I can't be who I am or who I need to be based on society or based on the systemic institutional type of policies that don't want a black man to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not allowing that. I'm, I'm exerting my strength in my own way, how I need to do to best represent me and my family and take care of my family to, to develop and continue to develop my legacy. And so you said that that that's through service. Is that what you said? Well, I, I would say it's through not necessarily service, but just being me, just being strong and being assertive is what I was saying. Assertive. Assertive. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that look like to be assertive? So so your strength is coming out in 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 this like humble, consistent. It's, I guess it's conti- continuing to win by any means necessary. You know, you can get knocked down, right? Just like when I lost my job at Merrill Lynch, I didn't let that stand in my way. Yeah. When I, when I lost my wife, I didn't let that stand in my way. When I see through this pandemic that my income could have been really just taken away. Yeah. And certain people's income did get taken away. Businesses have lost jobs have lost, but I didn't allow this pandemic Mm -hmm. to just cripple me permanently. Yeah. I had to make an adjustment like everyone else, but I do honestly feel like even though I'd made adjustments, I'm still moving in the right direction. And when I compare myself to everyone else, because everyone had to deal with the same pandemic. <laughs> it just it wasn't a pandemic for me and my family. It was a pandemic globally. 
I had to do my part to still stay assertive and still pivot and still make ends meet and still manifest my goals and dreams that weren't already fulfilled. And that's by waking up every day and looking at every day as a new day. What now? It sounds like when you bring up these kind of big pivotal moments, you didn't let them knock you down to go, okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to put my head down and just do what everybody else is doing. You just go, okay, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do with what is is in my face and in my story now? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Jason, I want to, before we get to our last question, I want to ask you this, you know, as an author and, and as thinking about, you know, culture and society, entrepreneurship, self-esteem and, and, and keeping fathers in the home. You know, I think a lot of dads, they're listening to this podcast because they feel maybe somewhat stuck, right? Like maybe I have kids from eight to 15, I'm in this job and, and, and this is my life kind of like this, I guess this is just what I do. And I hear, you know, from you a lot of purpose. So what's some things you would say to that man who's, who's here listening right now, who's going like, ah, I, I, there's something in me that knows there's more, but I don't really know how to go after it. What would you say to them? I, I would say, Ned, that it's very, very important, very, very essential to really dig down deep mm-hmm. and really understand what your true purpose is. And if you don't know it right now, really find a way to get closer to it. It may take some time. However, really hone in on the importance of it, because once you do that, life's problems or life's struggles get easier because you become passionate about what really matters. And one of the things you were talking about earlier in terms of maybe in your 70s, past 75, to give back, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to give back, you got to understand, well, what, what can you give back or what impact can you make that's longstanding that people can remember you by? But you, you, have to, you have to think of others and not just think for yourself. And that's what I've I found that I have gotten much better at thinking of others and paving the way for the next generation. That's one, that's one of my mottos. It's like, I've been given the ability to be successful due to the path that people have opened for me, through my ancestors, through my elders, mm-hmm. through role models in business. Therefore, it's my God-given right to now open the door for the next generation and pave the way for others to be successful as the path has been paved for me. So let me ask you this question because sometimes I get stuck on this like true purpose idea. So partly grew up in a charismatic church and, and felt as though like there's God has a purpose for your life. think that messed with me during my twenties, even part of my thirties. It's like, there's this thing I'm supposed to do and I got to go figure it out. So for me right now, and I was, this is my question to you is I feel like every man's purpose is to, if in the the context of everyone who's listening, discover who you are. Okay. Love your wife, love your kids, serve other people. And that it's less about like, I'm supposed to do X, Y, or Z. 
So what's your thoughts on that? When you talk about purpose and you're coming in to engage with somebody like, say you are coaching me and you're talking to me about purpose, do you think that we're missing out on that I'm copying out to there's something else I'm supposed to do? Or do you think our primary purpose is really just to serve our families? So I believe you have to add to that because everything you said is accurate, okay? However, I believe that it's destined that God wants us to be givers. Mm-hmm. Because as we give, and as we understand that principle of giving, we will then receive. Mm-hmm. But don't give to receive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's an interesting don't place to be. To yeah. Give because that's what's in your heart. And that is where you will show the understanding of what life is really all about. Because let's give you an example. You can accumulate wealth or you can accumulate materialistic objects. You cannot take them with you. However, you can teach someone or you can show an example to someone that can then duplicate that effort, grow exponentially, and you made an impact in not only your life, in your family's life, your extended family's life, but your whole entire community. Mm-hmm. And then your legacy is continued to ever evolve based on the attributes that you've attained, what you've taught yourself, what you've taught others, and then what they teach others. Yeah. So that's that's huge in my in my opinion. That's huge. Huge. And I think that the question that's coming into my mind as like a as a as a mantra style question is mm-hmm. to to regularly ask myself, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for a greater cause that I know that I'm a part of? Like if mm-hmm. I know I'm a part of a greater story, greater kingdom than mm-hmm. just Ned's, am I whatever the action is? Because anything I do, bringing that cup of coffee to my wife could yeah. be selfish. Right? Right, right, I could be trying to score some points throughout the day for things to work out later, or I could be doing it a hundred percent just out of I want to. I, this is bigger than me, and right, so I think right. men, men, if we can check our motivation of why we're doing things, we could do the exact same thing, but from the gratitude heart of knowing who I am versus selfish is going to change. You know, domino effect. If you do that every day, then you are becoming that servant that you were designed to be, that giver. Absolutely. Mm. Jason, so good. All right. Before I ask my last question, my friend, any last thoughts about fatherhood that you want to share? And then I'm going to ask you my last question. Okay. I, I would just say, Ned, that uh, fathers, we as dads, we can sometimes take the approach where we got to be strong all the time. And Mm. certainly we want to be a provider. Certainly we want to be, you know, compassionate. We want to be nurturing. You know, those are definitely characteristics that a father should certainly embody. At the same time, we have to also reach out if assistance is needed mm-hmm. you can't just feel like we're the rock of gibraltar all the time yeah because sometimes you need help or sometimes you got to take a rest take a break because being strong all the time is not as healthy as one may think 
being in a position where you can understand the adjustments that you may need to make from time to time to continue moving forward and continue being successful. That will be some of the thoughts that I would leave with the listeners today. Mm. Love it. Oh, Jason. So good. This is so good. So here's my last question. Uh, Legacy question. So imagine, let's imagine 50 years from now. Okay. 50 years from now, I kind of ask this question different every time, but you are no longer walking on this earth, but you are able to see great, great grandkids. What is it that you see? And as you peer into their homes, you peer into their lives, you know that the work that you put in while you are walking on this earth is having impact in their homes, their families. I would say that they have in their families, you know, a sense of love, a sense of um, just looking out for one another. Um, I mentioned early that, you know, getting good at conflict resolution mm-hmm. certainly helps strengthen relationships because there's always going to be differences of opinions. There's always going to be differences of opinions, but how you work with those conflicts and how you work through those differences of opinions, I believe strengthens the bonds and keeps families together. And then having ambition. Mm-hmm. I like that. Being, being ambitious and knowing that you can do anything you want in life. You can establish anything you want in life. I'll, I'll leave you with this example. Um, just came back from D.C. And uh, one of my cousins, who is just a, a great, great role model to our entire family, and she actually became the first Black woman to become federal governor of the Federal Reserve. Wow. Okay, so as she has established her place in history through that path to get there, becoming a Rhodes Scholar, uh, a professor, economics professor, an economist, she's consulted countries, okay? Not companies. companies. (laughs) Yeah. So... Oh, that's good. She achieved anything that she wanted to achieve, but it required hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just an example that anyone has the capabilities of achieving great, great things, but we can either set limits in our mind and reach certain goals and then stop, or we can continue pursuing and continue pursuing and having that ambitious and those aspirations to fulfill to it, you know, to you have that last dying breath, yeah. you know, just continue to, to fulfill what it is that you want to achieve. Man, thank you for sharing. Like, as you say, the word ambition, hard work, I think to some level, we've, we've kind of like moved away from that compared to if you were to look at our country say 50, 75 years ago, hundred years ago, mm-hmm. that idea of putting in the work. And, and I almost feel bad sometimes thinking about all the work that people have done for us to live the life that you and I get to live now. Like we, we, we got a pretty good here. Uh, like why aren't we doing the hard work on ourselves to not just let our country go in just such a chaotic, weird mode? Um, and I'm not saying necessarily 
fight politically, but even just in your own home, like if the thousands of men who hear this conversation were to just do the hard work in their homes, we're talking about some transformation a hundred years from now, 500 years from now. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Jason, thank you. This has been so rich, such a great conversation. Um, where can people learn more about you, learn more about your books? You got a website people can, can find you on? Yeah, so um, if someone wanted to purchase my book, um, faithpurposelegacy.com, that's faithpurposelegacy.com. That's how someone can uh, reach me to get an autographed copy of my book. Of course, you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but if you want an autographed copy, that's the place that you can go. And then all my social media handles is Jason Murray CEO. That's LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, Jason Murray CEO. Love it. Jason, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate your time. Love the conversation. So much wisdom. Keep being yourself. Love uh, love all that you're doing and excited to see what you do the next, uh, next 25 years. I appreciate you for inviting me to come have this discussion and uh, keep doing what you're doing by spreading the word of the importance of fatherhood. Mm, thank you. Until next time. Ah, what an incredible conversation. And I mentioned this at the beginning and want to bring it up again now, this idea of hard work. Jason has put in the hard work. You know how you feel, dudes, when you put in a really good day of work, whether it's the yard or business or whatever, there's this sense of accomplishment. What if we were to all put that same level of hard work into our families, into our homes, and stop distracting ourselves from the unimportant? This is how I want to live my life. It was so rad to listen to Jason, uh, really getting after the the 75 hard at 60 years old. What a boss. Uh, This guy is a father. And I love that word father. It means something. And he is an example to us of what an amazing father looks, feels, and acts like. Thank you to all you dudes out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the new children's book coming out early 2023. We fully funded it on Kickstarter. You guys came together. It was amazing. So thank you so much. If you weren't able to be a part of that, go to adventureoffatherhood.com. Grab this first book, uh, The Father and the Son in the Motorcycle and the Sidecar. And then the father-daughter version is going to be coming out just a few months after. So excited. This thing's going to be legendary. Change the world. All right, my friends, thank you, thank you, thank you. Write a quick review for the podcast. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.